Love Talk Radio. All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, you guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Do you do you listeners know who Phil Lamar is? 
I bet I bet a good number of you do. I'm but sure. Shut up. Don't show off, okay? okay. Just shut your mouth about uh-huh. it. <laughs> but for the rest of you, you will be surprised because I promise you, you actually do know who Phil Lamar is, aside from being in Pulp Fiction. But the reason why he's here today. Oh, oh, did you? Well, he's he's that one guy. <laughs> oh, who's that? Oh, that's uh oh oh he's uh uh, uh he's from um uh, with with uh oh he's that one guy. He's that one guy. That's right. It's that one guy. That one guy. Uh, my favorite this is, episode. Uh, this is that one guy animated version. Animated version. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you special. why. Because Phil Lamar, though... Uh, he's prolific. He's prolific. Uh-huh. This is a guy who has 300-some credits to his name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like union work. Uh, a vast number of them are voice work. Uh-huh. But you did actually get to see him in Pulp Fiction. Just after that, you got to see him in... Mad TV. Mad TV. And yeah. he, in throughout the last 25 years, he has been doing, uh, like, uh, one-off guest spots on network TV shows for years. Yeah. You would recognize yeah, you name him. It. Yeah. But more than likely, he's kind of uh, that one voice. Yeah. Because you would know his voice, and one place you're going to know his voice from Im- very, very soon, and you haven't heard it in a, about a dozen years Samurai Jack. Jack is back. You guys March remember 11th. That, the early 2000s. It literally has been off the air for like 12 years. Yeah. Which is sick to think of. I remember it fondly on Cartoon Network, and it's been off for so long. But it's but, back. Yeah. Jack is back. It's premiering at 11 p.m. March 11th. March 11th, we 2017. Never, we never thought that this would come. After finishing its run, I think, like around April or May of 2005. Yep. To give you some idea of how long this thing has been gone, but it's actually just kind of like that cult following thing. It has probably more fans now than it did when it was first taken off the air. Yeah. It's grown. And and by by the way, just uh, those of us here in the studio, we've actually, we already had a chance to see the first two episodes of what is it? Is it the fifth season? Fourth, fourth or fifth or sixth day. Anyway, it's the the season launch, uh, March 11th, (laughs) 2017. We We here, we've already seen it. And what I could tell you is I'm not supposed to tell you. Uh I got this from uh, Adult Swim Cartoon Network. I'm not supposed to tell you that uh, uh, Samurai Jack um, and that uh, he actually. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. We're going to have to break out the beat machine for that. Okay. Well, what you, you do whatever you have to do. <laughs> but right now, we're here to talk about that one guy. That's that right. One guy. Phil Lamar has been doing the voice for Samurai Jack uh, since it came out. He is yeah. the only Samurai Jack. He's, yeah, so he's for that. all of you conspiracy theorists <laughs> yeah, who think that Ray Fines did it the first season, <laughs> no, not, not true. Not true at yeah, all. Yeah, We've yeah. debunked that. Uh, but we're talking about Phil Lamar, Marvin. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy uh, was on Mad TV, like the original, yep. when it first came out, when it was good. When it was, well, let's say it when it season. was better than Saturday Night Live. Probably the height of the Mad TV. And he was one of the good, out of a good cast. He was one of the yeah. And, better and ones. Fox was still kind of like the edgy newer network. Granted, mm-hmm. been on for maybe a decade or so, but they're still edgy and hip. And I was not a fan of Mad TV. 
that much. But Phil Lamar on that money. That money. that over-caffeinated UPS guy yeah, just that's jumping around. He was around. Jack, uh, the UBS driver. Yeah, UBS, was, yeah. He, was, he was that guy. Bleep, bleep that out, too. I guess we can't say UBS. But, yeah, a lot of great characters. So if I saw that dude, I'm clicking around. I'm locked in. And it was hilarious. It was hilarious. The guy, and then he goes back on to voice work. What and what was next, Marky? Well, that that but that's kind of the thing is that uh, you know, I shot Marvin in the face. That guy, he never left us. No, you know, I mean, he's been he has he has been around. Um, and actually, we were doing our let's just call it research. We actually found out, <laughs> you're, you're being so kind to what we do before this show. <laughs> we, found out, we actually found out that Phil Phil's uh, his first credit. Uh, am I mistaken? That's right. Yeah. You know what? Let's do. I feel like we got off topic there because the main topic here is Phil Lamar himself. It's Phil Lamar right now. Not yeah. just the phenomenons he's been a part of, which <laughs> so far are pretty goddamn good. Yeah. Well, starting with Pulp Fiction and then Mad TV. Which well, some critics say are the, yeah. is the Pulp Fiction of television. <laughs> sure, some say who are these but, people. But if you if you if you listener take the time to go over to a reputable you know film and television accreditation site. Well, why don't we do that? Such now? as well, yeah, you know what? Screw it. Let's let's play all the theme music here today. Let's do us a little bit of IMDb reading. Okay, let's do. It. Special effects. You are in luck, listeners. And this who's is in, a rarity. Who's going to so, take so, us so down now this that tunnel? Oh, love. Now that we're tumbling through the through the sheets with <laughs> Phil Lamar. <laughs> take All right. Through. Now this would take you. Let me let me check the number here. Yeah, how many credits? Three hundred and sixty-eight credits. Three hundred and sixty-eight credits. To this man's name on IMDb. What's the first one? As an actor, as an by actor, the way. go all the way down to but the bottom. Where did he start? Yes. What are the beginning? What are the roots of the film? <laughs> the Lamar origin story. And does, origin it have, story. Does, it, does it have yes. any connection to what we do every week here? Yes. Let's flash That's what I back. I want to know because if you have the patience <laughs> and the time to scroll all the way down, we're not going to take you on that journey with us. No. We Let's do. just say, just like a good cooking show, we popped one of these babies in the oven before we started, <laughs> and now we're spitting it out. Three hundred sixty-eight credits later. Or the very first thing in the year 1983, as Philip Lamar, uh-huh. as, a, as a younger he man, was apparently, as Philip, yep, he played a, a, a strong supporting role in a television production. I just don't even want to say it because it's so perfect. <laughs> Mr. T. Saturday morning, Saturday morning cartoon. Is Phil Lamar? He was Woody. He was Woody. He was Woody. Yep. The uh, the newcomer. The newcomer. The, uh, uh, I think the. I think he might even been Canadian, but he was the. I think Canadian <laughs> on black an American gymnastic team. That's what made it very difficult for them to accept him at first. <laughs> but he did help them solve the mystery of the golden medallion. Well, see, and now people might be really lost here. Let me just let me just go in. Let me let's just have one of these moments where I'm going to walk you guys through an episode. Oh, okay, of Mr. T. that's it. Hold on, do we? <laughs> I don't even know if we have theme music for this, but everybody, uh, Mr. T, 
segment within a segment within a segment. Marky recalls the plot line for you. This is getting very, very meta here. But uh, if I remember my Saturday morning cartoons, which I usually do. Uh, all right. So on the Mr. T cartoon, was it just called Mr. T cartoon? Yeah, it was just called Mr. T. It was Mr. First name, uh, middle first name, name Mr. period, uh, middle name, period, <laughs> middle name, <laughs> that period there. <laughs> Last name T. Yeah. All right. So the Mr. T cartoon, as you guys may know, it was Mr. T and his gang of gymnasts. Yeah. Right? And, Which makes sense. And every single show, <laughs> and it, it, it had like this pit bull with the mohawk. That was right? taped on his head. And I they think. had like this little redheaded stepchild who dressed like Mr. T. Mm-hmm. I forget what his name, Bucky? He was like a little mini me. Yeah, I he was like a mini, uh, mini T. Yeah, ginger T. I don't remember his name. <laughs> All right. But, uh, okay, so you had, it was Mr. T and his dog that had a mohawk. And for, it wasn't a razorback dog, which is an actual breed of a dog that has a natural mohawk. Well, no. it was just, it was a pet bull with a... Black but, but mohawk yeah. Yeah. With, with a glued on it was glued on his head. It made yeah. no sense. So was like, even even though this is an animated pretend world, <laughs> the answer is I have to assume it's a glued yeah. on mohawk. It yeah. fell off in a couple episodes, actually. So it was kind of weird. It was like somebody's mustache. And yeah. Somehow, even though it was animated, that animal was harmed in the filming. Okay, so they had to shoot it after the last episode, unfortunately. Now, so. every single episode of Mr. T's cartoon. Or you want to thank Johnny Heck for that down note. They actually, um, I'm not even paying attention to that. But Killed like, Lassie in the, the middle way, of the, your okay, segment. So the, the, way that, uh, the way that every single Mr. T like cartoon started was that Mr. T came out in live action, and you know he yeah. was in full regala. You know the oh. the, the gold medallion, the blue well, He was never, never once in Mr. T's career have you seen him in less than full regalia. No. There's never been Mr. T aside from like in the boxing ring with Rocky. You're right. In Wearing the anything well, less was, than his normal costume. That was Clubber Lang. That wasn't Mr. T. You're right. right. So he was acting. Even when you get a colonoscopy, he had to keep all that stuff up. <laughs> well, look, but even, you know, even, even with Mr. T. In his ill-advised and short-lived stint as a proctologist <laughs> during a colonoscopy, he would keep the well, rings on. you lose a couple rings, you're going to get in trouble. So. <laughs> the T was for thumb. <laughs> look, like, but, I you pity know. the fool who needs a polyp check, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I go full fist, fool. <laughs> but look, even when Mr. T was playing B.A. Baracus... Oh, yeah. A fugitive from the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. He was still running around in Mohawk and all the chains. <laughs> You're not yeah. going to blend in. Even the most, <laughs> no, no, no. We, but in the show, they never implied that he had the Mohawk and chains while he was in, like, Delta. They did some flashbacks. He, probably, so. he <laughs> probably looked very normal. And then he thought, well, I'm on the run. Okay, now. now They're going to be expecting me on. to dye my hair. Hold on, hold what on, I'll do is everybody. Mohawk it. But hold on, hold on, everybody, everybody. All right, now before we get way off, I, I think off the I'm dark, making a pretty valid point. You but you're right; it Ooh. it is not germane to the point of Phil Lamar. Correct. Now, that one guy. But the actual Mr. T show, <laughs> what it would start with the live action Mr. T coming out, and he would do like those, uh, um, those like PSAs, those PSAs, yeah, yeah those like uh, the more you know, the more you know, yeah, or yeah. the the uh, what's the GI Joe one. 
Uh, the more you know. No, it, no, no, it was <laughs> no, knowing. Uh, uh, knowing was half the battle. battle. Yeah. Right. Oh. All right. So, so every single episode had a theme that he would introduce, and then he would ultimately come out and summarize at the end because mm-hmm. he would show you. He would he would warn you of this prejudice. Don't get or, molested. <laughs> yeah. Don't get in. Don't be. Don't be taking people's candy or toys or puppies, you know, or whatever. And then all of a sudden. You know, the whole episode would show you why you would or wouldn't do those things, right? right? Yeah. Now, the Phil Lamar episode where they introduced his character, Woody, was a very important theme of Inclusion. welcome Inclusion. new people yeah. into yeah. your yeah. group. Yeah, you yeah. don't know what you're going to meet or you don't know how handy they're going to be or whatever. Yeah, so, don't build a wall. Yeah, don't build a wall, don't man. Don't build a wall. Welcome, man. Welcome the Canadians in, man, <laughs> or the Mexicans, whatever. I don't care. But so, yeah, that was this particular episode was that Mr. T allowed Phil Lamar to join the group. And, of course, Phil Lamar ended up being very, saved very – the day. He right. saved the day at the end of all this. Yeah. Uh, also, I, mean, I think he won the gold medal for the gymnastic team. Yeah, he was better than everybody. Which, ostensibly, yep. I would assume they have to be a winning gymnastic team to go on these adventures in China. Yeah, in Brazil and shit every week with Mr. T. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he's he's getting them sponsors. <laughs> he's doing a lot more than just being the pretty black face. Yeah, and all of this, by the way, this is how Phil Lamar starts his career. Yeah, <laughs> he's this at the top how, of his game. Yeah, I forgot. We're still IMDb reading. Here. Yeah, number because one. Because it okay. does. I will say now it takes about an eight year leap. And starting in '91 was stuff like like Jake and the Fat Man uh-huh. and show. Murphy Brown. Great show. George Carlin show. Like one-off uh, appearances here, uh, and then it gets to the Mad TV uh-huh. after Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. That was after because Mad TV it was, was '95. Yep. yep. Okay. And yep. Pulp Fiction was '94, famously. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. So he goes now. He's I shot Marvin in the face, and then he goes to I'm going to compete against Saturday Night Live. Right, yeah. and then, well, he's not like the Lauren Michaels of Mad TV, but yeah, he was like but you, you, but they're you know going to give saying? us a shot out here, us uh, yeah. groundlings or whatever. I think he's right. on the original from. crew though, the the start of Mad TV, I yeah, crew, which is pretty like Michael McDonald, Will Sasso, Nicole Parker, a lot of those cats, yeah. yeah. Mo, what's Mo her Collins, name? Mo Collins. Yeah. I mean, the, the ones who are actually, even though they relied way too much on on characters, they were still a very talented group. Yeah, I oh, absolutely hundred percent. And a lot of them are still very successful. But yeah. the thing is, is that we are talking about Phil Lamar, and the first time we ever saw him was Pulp Fiction, and then we saw him again in Mad TV. Now, of course, he started his career as a, a voice on Mr. T cartoon. But we saw him on Pulp Fiction. We saw him on Mad TV, and then we stopped seeing him. But. This is a, that one guy animated edition. We never stopped yeah. hearing him. We them. never stopped yeah. hearing him. And this is where the credits just start and that's rolling. Where, yeah, that's when you just start. You just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And scrolling and, and has, scrolling. He's, he's been hard at work. He's it, been the voice of um, Futurama. He was yeah, uh, Hermes. Yeah, he's Hermes. He's Hermes. Futurama. Uh-huh. Hey, I mean, Mom. that's enough to keep it. Yeah, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's the, the Jamaican HR, uh, bureaucrat. HR guy, yeah. yeah, there's this really cool... <laughs> he plays the judge, the judge's voice on Family Guy. Oh, yeah, one of their classic bits. Or, yeah. You know, the, the Kool-Aid man. The Kool-Aid he's, he's one. The one yeah, yeah. The ju- he plays the judge, I think, a lot. Of, he does a bunch of... Oh, and Ollie he's Williams? Ollie the Weatherman. Ollie, Ollie the weatherman. It's raining outside! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Raining hot! Where's your umbrella at? It's in half, two miles away. You know? <laughs> like, that's funny. That's funny shit. It's like, hilarious. Yeah. yeah, so, and then... It's such uh, a small part. 
but for any Family Guy fan worth of salt knows exactly who Ollie Williams is. And yeah. Blackie Weather Forecast or whatever. <laughs> yeah. That, that character alone has had his own memes based on yep. him and stuff, and that's a that's the new gauge of whether a character has uh, significance, relevance, I think. Absolutely. You um, know how to talk to these millennials, my friend. No, well, you know, that's the only way you get them into your bedroom. Memes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he ends up playing... Uh, the really cool Green Lantern. Oh, by the way, the fourth Green Lantern. The fourth Green Lantern. Oh. Um, Who can name him? Uh, uh, Jonathan Stewart. Yeah. Well, John Stewart. The previous three. Oh, uh, Hal Jordan, number two. He was number two. Yeah. Who was the first one? Alan Scott. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, he's the Earth two oh, okay. original Silver Age. All right. Well, anyway, okay. So I got two out of the three. Guy um, Gardner was number three. Guy. I, I yeah. That. You got one out of the three. What well, name two? As I named two out of four true okay all right so anyway he plays one of the most popular of the green lanterns would you agree the first african-american green lantern which was huge for earth i mean that's and he played like in multiple formats there was like the justice league series or like some of the tv and movies yeah exactly Mm -hmm. some of the dc animated movies um he he also i mean he was in um king of the hill Right. Yeah, yeah, he was. Roll, the King of the Hill. Come on, he, let's go. No, let's go. Honestly, I, I, you know, I'm not going to bother starting to read this IMDb uh-huh. at this point. This is just too much. The guy has been in everything, and his voice can change so much. Yeah, I mean, but he has, like, it's a good quality voice. Just even his regular speaking voice, he is. I'm just going to come out and say it. He is like a black Harry Shearer. Yeah, I think you're right. Like that voice you would never expect to come from him. In real life, he's like he's like five six. Mm-hmm. He's is a skinny guy. He's got a a big head for his body. Um I'm not saying he's an ugly or freakish looking guy, but he is not he's like Harry Shearer. Well he's the just, voice is large. Kind of an everyday sh- Well, he's schmuck. a good looking like Harry he's John Benjamin or something. But their voice <laughs> is something totally different. Right. So it makes yeah. sense to hear them in cartoons, but then when you see them in real life, and maybe that's a, a conscious choice he made, or maybe his agent just took him to a <laughs> steak restaurant one day and said, you know what, uh, we're going to have to concentrate on voice work for you. Well, you know, and you know what, though, but, like, um, the thing is, is uh, this this does kind of I, I didn't I didn't know a lot of the voices that he plays. Right. I, mm. I know I know him because I saw him in 1994, just like all of you. Okay, but I didn't know that he played Hermes. I mean, right. until we, I, yeah, I, just, I didn't know that. I didn't, yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't know that he, you know, I didn't even know that he was the voice of one of the kids in Mr. T. I didn't, I didn't know. I know. Well, I, even though I'm the most did, expert here did. on the Mr. T cartoon, but uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. I didn't That's know what that it he, says on your business. Card. I didn't know that he played. I think he even played like Cyborg. He played the uh, Green Lantern. I didn't but know. He's a done lot voices about, in like uh, Avengers cartoons, Spider-Man cartoons. Yep. He has done voices in pretty much every video single video, video game. Video he played Vamp. Yeah. He, he's been in a number Vamp of and Metal Gear of Metal Gear games. Yeah, yeah, and that's kind of. But the thing that is, gets you to some kind of echelon in my book. Yeah. I know, but like it's, it's like um, I mean that's why even though you, the next time you see him or hear him, you probably still won't recognize it. Even though we're doing this whole show trying to educate you, ignorant bastards. Yeah. Still, he is such a chameleon, and he works as a voice artist. It's impossible to know till later that when I this is a memory that goes back to two thousand one. 
maybe early 2002, when Metal Gear 2 first came out. Mm-hmm. And I have a distinct memory, because I was a big Futurama fan and Mad TV fan. Mm-hmm. And I also happened to have known back then, because I was hip, that he was in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yeah. So when the opening credits of Metal Gear Solid 2 were playing... Gamers out there will attest to the fact that this is an insanely long credit sequence. Yeah, I remember. That you this. have yeah. no way to skip. Yep. yep. So kind of you bought your game, you're still excited enough to put up with 15 straight minutes of this. <laughs> but at one point, <laughs> Phil Lamar's name came up, and it got me excited because I was like, oh, shit, I love that dude. I bet I'll I, – I wonder who he's playing. I didn't know until after – almost before the game was over. I had already met this character several times. It was Vamp, yeah, the yeah, guy who yeah. looks, of course, nothing like Phil Lamar. He talks does, like these. Or looks nothing like <laughs> any of the other characters that Phil Lamar has ever voiced yeah. because the guy has such a range yeah. that I played through the game looking for his voice, played against it, heard it, had no, no idea, idea that he, and that was he played still Vamp. listening yeah. for it. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, well, and you know what? It's, it's, it's maddening um, how hard it is to make you understand that you should like him. <laughs> that, <laughs> well, that's, right. that's what I'm driving Well, at. the thing is, too, is um, he doesn't have, and this is a compliment to his craft, and this is how amazing he is at what he does, but he doesn't have that, like, that, like epic, overarching voice. Kind of like a like, James Earl Jones where you know it's him all the exactly. time. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I, like, I remember the first time um, there is this epic narrator for the NFL films. Oh, yeah. The frozen Tundras. You know, like that guy, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember it wasn't even that long ago. I think, I think he passed away. But anyway, I saw a video of that guy talking. It didn't look like the voice came out of him. Like it just—it looked like it was like a poor dubbing or something. Like, like he was lip syncing someone off. doing his own voice. Right, right. Like the so disconnect was was too much. It for was him. too much. I, I was so used to that voice, and that and that reminds me of the first time I ever saw Peter Cullen. Yeah. Oh, from stand uh, up uh, at, Optimus Prime. Uh, Optimus yeah. Prime voice coming out of someone who's about <laughs> five foot two, <laughs> looks like someone's Jewish grandfather. Yeah. But you see now. But look now. You, although he played some G.I. Joe characters and stuff, I think, mm-hmm. like, he doesn't blend. He doesn't adapt. Like, you know, like, Phil Lamar is an artist. You, he, he has is, played characters on, like, would, Arnold and stuff that you would never have guessed. Absolutely. Right? And that's kind of, I guess that's what I'm getting at here, is that, like, you yeah. don't even, and he doesn't have this it's, voice. It's, he's so good, it's hard to appreciate him. And even exactly. when you see him he in makes person, it difficult. like, not in prison, but on television, where he's not just a 100% voice actor. He's been on Veep and Castle. Yep. And yeah. you'll see him come out, and he could come and do his role, and then be gone, and you're not saying... Oh, that's the guy from Futurama. That's the guy from, you know, Mr. T. Yeah. Like if Nathan Fillion was ever on Veep, everyone would say, well, that's the guy from Firefly. Yeah. Nathan Fillion voices. Um, Green yeah. Lantern, too. Well, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Hal Drobe. <laughs> oh, he also does, the conspiracy uh, dots are coming his, together. He does this game called Destiny. And uh-huh. as soon as he came in, I go, oh, Fillion's yeah. on a video game. You know, that would never happen with a guy like Phil Lamar. Yeah. Well, and I and think. And you know what? And I, to this day, well, actually, not to this day, but up until almost this day, I could never have been sure what Phil Lamar's regular speaking voice is. 
Lucky for but us. now Lucky I for can. You. That's right. I talked to him because, as we mentioned, with Samurai Jack coming back, yeah. we uh, our friends down at Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Joanna. I got to talk with Phil Lamar uh, about Samurai Jack coming back, and of course I hijack it. We talk about a bunch of other stuff, but I've made you wait long enough. You want to know what Phil Lamar sounds like? Let's go. Magic interview machine. Come on, give me Phil Lamar. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Phil Lamar, who you are going to hear in Samurai Jack, which is coming back, baby, March 11th. Uh, and Phil, before I just full-on geek out on you, let's talk about Samurai Jack. Can you make up a good story about why you've been gone for 12 years and are now coming back? <laughs> well, there's no story to make up. Um, the show ended, and now it's back. Um, well, actually, the production ended. The show, the story did not end, and that's been actually the big problem. I mean, I've spent... I'd say most of the last 12 years, anywhere I've gone, somebody has asked me, when is Samurai Jack coming back? You know, is he going to ever get home? You know, I mean, because it's a really simple story, yeah, but yeah. people are really invested in the outcome because he's such a good guy. You really want him to win, you know? Um, and, you know, I think everything just sort of came together finally after so many years um, in the perfect storm that uh, Gendy was able to f- find a way to bring the story to resolution. You know, thank goodness. Well, yeah, because uh, I think I live quite comfortably in modern times, so obviously Aku did not win. <laughs> well, you're also not in a cartoon, Dan. So <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure it's an alternate reality. The, the flying cars are the giveaway, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> And I expect to survive until Futurama times, too. <laughs> the need to be a bucket of oh, water. All right. After this conversation, we'll have a talk about math. <laughs> <laughs> and you, of course, are great in the show. But I ha- I feel like I have to point out that Gendy's style, it doesn't exactly have a lot of dialogue. No. Uh, usually I know the voices are recorded and then, like, the final stages of animation are applied and the finished product. But in this case, does Gendy come to you with a finished episode and say, like, here's your page and a half of dialogue? No, no. I mean, uh, usually the the show is storyboarded and then the dialogue is recorded. Um, that means that all the images are worked out but without the timing. Um, you can't really... Even with the little bit of dialogue we had in the uh, the original series, you still needed that first before you could fully animate. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean he's he's got the stories. And this time around, I think it was even more so. Um, he had because you know, it's all ten episodes are telling one long story. Um, so he definitely had more in the pipeline than we did in the original series, but it still needed to be, you know, fine-tuned and each image, you know, made perfected. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's a hell of a story, too. And, but at the same time, super simple. Yeah, he makes it, like, really accessible, like, uh, like, like stylistic but deceptively lo-fi. Right, right. 
and then he brought that style over to uh, to kind of kickstart the Clone Wars TV shows, you know, the the animated ones, because he had originally like those little two minute episodes, and when they came out, just blew everybody away. The micro series, um, yeah, that's that's why the, uh, Samurai Jack originally uh, stopped production because Gendy was off working on uh, the Clone Wars micro series. Well, great, but that was like 12 minutes total. There's no excuse to just stop everything. <laughs> Do you know how long it takes to make 12 <laughs> minutes of animation? I, I am being, I am pretty, being cavalier pretty cavalier here. here but uh, You are. You're, you sound like somebody who doesn't even draw. That was my thing. Like I used to, used to draw when I was younger, and I could draw figures, but then you had to put them somewhere, and backgrounds were just the death of me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's why I'm not an artist. But then you look at these guys and what they're doing in terms of it's not just drawing the characters. It's not just painting those amazing backgrounds. They're moving. Yeah. <laughs> but I know there's so many different ways they can do it now. Dan, it's still 24 images per second. What? That's 24 drawings for every second of animation. See, but I know they do the cell shit. Okay, I don't know why I'm still attacking animators here. It's easy. Anybody. And, uh, well, it's funny because I thought, you know, because I've been working on things that are CGI, you know, and Gendy's been doing the Hotel Transylvania stuff, and it doesn't actually save that much time. Yeah, no. Because even though the computers are doing it, somebody still has to make it go 24 images per second. Mm-hmm. And they got to make sure that not one of those 24 is wrong. Yeah, yeah. Well, draw me a river. But lazy animators aside, uh, my producer wanted me specifically to mention to you that one of the characters you play on uh, Clone Wars, uh, specifically Bail Organa, you are the one who really, despite this being a famous known character for many decades in the Star Wars universe, you're the first actor to really explore it, to like, like inhabit that role. Mm-hmm. I, no, Jimmy Smith's made that character. I continued it. You know, it's his face. It's, I'm aping his style of speaking. I, yeah, I'm very conscious of what I create and then what I continue. And without him, you know, I didn't make any choices on that. I'm just doing what he would have done if he decided to take the pay cut and do the cartoon. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the animators are really off the hook here because I'm going to bash Jimmy Smits for a second. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I I know what you're saying in terms of the character being explored. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you know, let's... I'm I'm very lucky to have worked on things that I'm that I watch one and two proud to be part of. I mean, part of the Star Wars universe, you know, part of Samurai Jack. I mean, these are things that if somebody says, as an actor, you know, you stick around long enough, you're going to do something embarrassing. Mm. You know, I've got more than a few of those on my resume. So (laughs) to have people respond to something that I think is great is just, you know, icing on the cake. It's like, yes, thank you. Well, I was going to say thank you, but okay, you're welcome then in that case. Uh, but that does bring me to, uh, to to wonder, were you a Star Wars fan, like, before the show? 
uh, and whether you were or weren't, are you a Star Wars fan now on the other side of the show? Yeah, no, definitely. Although I do have to say that I sort of fell off until uh, Gendy's uh, Clone Wars micro series. It totally brought me back to where I was as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, who's that character? Oh, wait, I want to find out more about that. Is that a, a human or a robot? What is that? Yeah, isn't that great? I mean, like, especially, uh, I think, you know, once you hit adulthood after loving the movie as a kid, and for me, luckily, that was, like, during the whole prequel stuff and uh, and the micro-series, and you just, you see it on a different level. You appreciate how deep this, you know, this universe basically could go. I mean, it's like a, it's like another renaissance for it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. By any chance, are you going to the celebration convention for Star Wars this year? Um, no, no, not that I know of. No, I hear it's a, I hear it's a blast. Um, hopefully one of these days I'll get invited. Yeah, I'm checking my mail all the time, too. Uh, and listen, I'm about to let you go, but before I do, there's one more nerdy fan thing I've got to ask you. Uh, is there, perhaps, any back office rumors about Futurama coming back for like the fifth time. Please, please, please. Uh, not that I know of. Um, although I'm, I'm tired of waiting, so I'm, I'm trying to put together a, a project of my own. Hopefully I can get some of my old uh, Futurama buddies on board for. But that's a, little, that's a little down the line. Ooh, okay. Well, I won't push my luck here, but... Somewhere down the line, if I can get this kind of equipment to work, uh, we would love it if you could call in, and uh, we'd love to talk about that, and I mean it. Oh, yes, definitely. All right, everybody, and that is how a hard-hitting journalist begs for a scoop. Uh, Listen, Phil, I really want to thank you. I am sincerely a big fan of your work, have been for a long time, and I appreciate your your time, your patience, your words, Uh, and most of all, it's just so great to know you're not like a dick or anything. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks. Be good in the world, Phil. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. I know Koo, and Koo's teaming up with a good balanced breakfast. Teaming up with Mr. T cereal. It's getting on the team, the team that knows how cool breakfast can be. You get a crispy corn taste with a touch of brown sugar. Teaming up with Mr. T. It's cool. Teaming up with Mr. T. Brown sugar. Teaming <laughs> up with Mr. T. Was it cool? I don't. I wasn't sure. I love it. It seemed like it was cool. Yeah, I don't know. I almost pitied the fool who would eat that. <laughs> I love that commercial. I actually remember eating that. It tasted like Captain Crunch. Me too. Like right? that, is that uh, what it was? I, I don't so. know if yep. I ever got that it one. It was exactly Captain Crunch. Yeah. yeah it was just it was like a little tea. And yeah, it just wasn't barrels mm-hmm. uh, like the Captain right. Crunch. I, I believe Captain Crunch was barrels, right? That's uh, you know what I don't. I think that were makes barrels perfect of, sense now that you say that. Yeah, they were barrels of like is, uh, you know of gold or rum or, or whatever. Yeah, well, I don't think yeah. they put gold in barrels. You freak. Well, you but, have enough. You put it in barrels. <laughs> if you're a very successful pirate, then you do it. Arr. No, no. If you're a developmentally challenged pirate, you've got your water and chess and your, and your gold in barrels. Otherwise, you do it the right way. Yeah. But I don't want to get off topic. Because that, again, was Phil Lamar, and again, I am stoked to have got to talk to him. This, uh, by the way, 
you you guys here in the studio probably don't know this, but I assume it's common knowledge everywhere else. That is the third guest that we have shared in common with uh, my new favorite podcast. Uh, prepare yourselves for an unsolicited plug, Spontanea Nation. Uh, with uh, Paul F. Tompkins, oh, has a bunch of comedians. He has uh, a number of times had Maria Thayer. Uh-huh. He has uh, Gary Anthony Williams, uh-huh. one of I my favorite him. guests Absolutely. that we've ever talked yeah. to. Uh-huh. Uh, he he has him on a regular basis as one of his uh, regular performers. Anyway, that's just just to show you how often. Uh, other popular podcasts steal our guests. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. Three times at least with this. <laughs> it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, it is honest. a little bit. Well, I think we've, uh, you know, a, a lot of the big guys have been mm-hmm. poaching from us. But Yeah, Nerdist just got uh, Alan Tudyk. You know, we've had him. Oh, you know, but geez, whatever. So you know, many times. I guess so. So whatever. many times. Whatever. You know, I don't care. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the reason we got to talk to Phil Lamar, uh, aside from, you know, uh, me and him going back, to uh, Mr. T days mm-hmm. was because he's out there promoting the Samurai Jack return, and we're all excited about this one. And this that's is a worth big talking deal. about. Yeah, this yeah. is a big deal. I mean, um, there, there is this. There's definitely in those of us that are in this kind of age bracket. We're all kind of pushing forty or at forty. You know, around around here, there was a time where a lot of us. <laughs> Kind of stop watching cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. It just it happened. Okay. Yeah. There, this was also a time where Beavis and Butthead were gone. So you know we didn't like you know there was well, it was it was uh, it was right around the Beavis and Butthead time. But Beavis and Butthead was when we were in high school, guys. I mean, I know it feels right. like it was there, but no, but like there, there was but a little break in between. There. there there really wasn't anything in like animation. I mean, of course, there's the. The the sick and twisted festival and there was there was yeah. you know there, there's yeah, the always going to be the spike and mic and all that stuff I mean absolutely it's always going to be there but what I'm saying is like in the in in like the mainstream TV there there seemed to be like this lull yeah. right and except then, of course for the Simpsons but yeah you know I know and that's fine I'm and just sorry, like, I, I'm sorry to keep shooting holes in your that's in fine because I, 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 I think like a, it is valid I, I think I know like, where I you're going I think like you're right. South Park but I hear what you're saying <laughs> even South Park I mean that was still again that was a shot in the arm for it too yeah. you know so you know there yes you can point out a few examples right and of them <laughs> of those few examples Only there was a few this things show contradict me it's okay you know, we're talking about the whole arc of all of television that ever existed. There's a few of them that kind of classify as Samurai Jack, which is a cartoon that is fun for kids, but kind of primarily written for adults. Right. And, and it has, has enough adult sensibility yeah. for a broader audience. And I will say this, and more to your point, Mark, uh, it was more about or not more about, but the animation was so important. Like, if you look at, like, a South Park kind of made with construction paper, kind of, like, cheaply done. Yeah. But it's still funny, so it's more about the dialogue directly toward adults. Yeah. But Samurai Jack's still in that cool animation, that cool style, that cool music, that cool vibe. So, but all, so and had that old simple, right. but not insulting. It was not cheap at all. So it had that vibe of those old cartoons we used to like back yep. then. Yep. You know? It, it so, was highly stylized. Like, yeah. Samurai Jack is a beautiful cartoon. Like, it's just gorgeous. Oh. And uh, you're right. The music is mm-hmm. on point. Like, the overall story. Um, now, okay, hold on. You know what? Just just 
because of course a I'm certain amount to... of our listeners are familiar with it, let's do a little background information for everybody else. All right. Because uh, there's this is somewhat a complex. Okay. There's probably only one way we're going to do this, right? Oh, no. Let's just own You're up to it. Do That's it, right. We, I think we have one more theme music that we can play here, and it's appropriate because it's time. Uh, Johnny Heck, I want you on this one. Uh-oh. It's time for a little bit of Wikipedia reading. Wiki reading? Wiki reading. Wiki reading. Wiki reading. Wiki, 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 wiki reading. There we go. It's time for some wiki reading. Give me what does Wikipedia have to say about Samurai Jack? All right, here we go, true believers. Samurai Jack tells this story of a young prince, voiced by Phil Lamar, from feudal Japan whose father acquired a magical katana. That's a sword for all you laymen. <laughs> that he used to defeat and seal the shape-shifting demon named Aku. Having foreseen that Aku would eventually break free, the Emperor sent his son to travel the world and train his mind and body before returning years later to Japan as an adult. After taking his father's katana, the prince challenges Aku to a duel and defeats him, but Aku creates a time portal before the prince can deal the final blows, sending his opponent into the distant future with anticipation that he would be able to amass sufficient power to deal with a samurai by that time. Okay, okay. So, so now let, let me let this sink in and see if I can encapsulate <laughs> what that is. So what happened is for a plot device, the main battle has already occurred. Yeah. And the, this, is, this and happens like in like early on in the Japan. series. Yes. Basically, it, it informs the opening sequence of every show. Yep. In feudal Japan, yep. when samurais were normally there, mm-hmm. he gets into a fight with an ancient spirit. Using his father's magic katana. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. We're taking all this straight out of the uh, the canon. Mm-hmm. And what happens is Aku, this evil spirit, cheats by saying, "You know what? I can't beat you now, but I can throw you a thousand years in the future. Spend a thousand years doing a nonstop Rocky montage. Right. Just shadow boxing <laughs> his way Bulking through up. the future. Yep. Right. Yep. So by the time I see you in a thousand years, you're really in trouble." And then the rest of the show, it's just kind of set in motion by the fact this is a samurai in an alternate world future trying to find a way to go back in time to get back to the fight when he's stronger than a coup. He's got to get back in time. They call it a... Yui, what you doing? Who let you in here? They call it... Mr. Lewis, you take the news and you go back out. You go back out. We don't have time for this. dystopian, retro-futuristic Earth ruled by a coup and filled with his... Robot minions. I'm glad that you. I'm, I'm glad that you got to that part in your wiki reading because yes. in your wiki 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 reading. What? Shut up. Because you know we were we were <laughs> we were talking about how like this thing is made for adults and all that. The way that you get it on the Cartoon Network, and this is pre Adult Swim on Cartoon Network, I believe, right? Right you around might, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it, yeah I think it was coming out when Adult Swim. When they weren't sure if that was going to be a viable platform. Yeah, I don't. I don't know for this type of programming. I don't. We'd think. have to check Wiki on another program for that. But I believe I believe that it was before Adult Swim was like an official part of Cartoon Network. But the brilliance, like um, art, happens in its limitations. That's why Howard Stern was way better on Celestial Radio than he is now. 
right? It's because he had to limit what he could say. Mm-hmm. You know, like right. you could, you really get creative, right? Picasso was amazing in the, you know, yeah. you know, like you sometimes know, it's better what you. When how you can, you, when you, can, when you can say and right. get around to those yeah. sensors and those blocks yes, and those exactly. be more crazy because so, you just go like Yeah. Saying fuck is a cop out. If you are a stand up <laughs> comedian, unless you're Richard Pryor saying fuck <laughs> all the time, it's usually because you're lazy. But anyway, I digress. In Samurai Jack, if you have him slicing and dicing George Lucas did the same thing in the prequels, by the way. You make the enemies droids. Yeah. You make them robots, right? So that when they're so sliced it doesn't in half, seem like there's a hundred murders. It's not blood, right? It's show. oil yeah. or sparks or mm-hmm. you know some other. And so when Samurai Jack was slicing up, you know, enemies, they weren't human. They were yeah. robots. The, they were the show robots, still had alien. a dark tone. Yes, and violence. darker than than uh, like a GI Joe. Mm-hmm. But then when he killed somebody, they would allow him to actually defeat his enemies. Exactly. But the enemies were never a person. Exactly. So it's kind of not a loophole, but a style choice. Be like, yeah. we can get away with being a cartoon, being this dark. If well, essentially, it's all a victimless crime. Right. I guess. Exactly what it is. It sounds like I'm oversimplifying it, but that's the only way I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. I can't you. operate otherwise. <laughs> good for you. I just yeah. – this was this was one of those, uh, again, rare instances, those few examples aside, where there was, there was a cartoon <laughs> that was geared towards adults that was that – was, stylistic and beautiful and just revolutionary, really. And, um, you know, I had always, I mean, I had always had high, high respect for this style. And, uh, Hey, look, nobody's trying to knock this. And it was still good. If you look at 2001, let's also remember this is pre pre Facebook. So the, the start of social media. So you're still kind of like on MySpace perhaps, or message boards. So the word of mouth, you really had to be talking to yeah, your friends that kind about of matters. it. You know, what I'm, you know what I'm saying? You're not really on many big social outlets like we have now. So that was really like trying to get the word out to people about this show. You and know? I rem- it's, I'm glad you brought that up because I remember that when the – you remember the Clone Wars micro series we talked about with Phil. When that came out, uh, people told me – and by people, I'm probably talking about Marquis. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, <laughs> but but uh, people like Marquis and his ilk were were trying to sell me on watching this by saying it's the dude who does Samurai Jack and Dexter's like, Lab. That was yeah. the, no mm-hmm. <laughs> nobody ever said that. Dexter's Lab was really cool. At the, it was, know. but yeah, I I didn't even know that he did that until yeah, we just right, researched right. this. Okay, all right. But people said no, it's the guy who does Samurai Jack, and I even think I read a couple articles in like Entertainment Weekly about it. Where he was, they said the guy who does Samurai Jack has been asked or invited mm-hmm. or something to do the next uh, Star Cap. Wars thing, and that's yeah. what yeah. made me want to. And this watch was it. like in between a couple of the prequel releases, so it was very much on fire mm-hmm. then. And I think it bears mentioning who that person was. That person was Gendy Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky, yeah. And I, I've actually, so, and I, I, I technically, go, it still is him. He's it still out him. there working. Yeah, and he was. He and was, he does in between Dexter's Laboratory and also like the Hotel Transylvania movies. Uh-huh. Those are him. Mm-hmm. That's like his uh, the newest thing that he's using to send his kids to college. Yeah. So he's he obviously still caters to like a younger crowd, if need be. But that's his world. Mm-hmm. 
Well, he has a very unique style, and it's very well respected, and it's all those things, and it's very popular at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, I met him I years wish ago. We, I wish we had an interview with him. I wish <laughs> I, I could him. have had a chance to talk to him. I was getting We there. got it on tape. I, I actually do have a conversation with him. Last year, San Diego Comic-Con uh, 2016, this was Adult Swim had sponsored a little round table. Uh, where I and other journalists all right. <laughs> Aren't you King of, Arthur of the journalists? Where you sort of big boy. <laughs> and I actually I taped it. This is this is this is short and sweet. It's a five minute thing. Uh me and a couple other people. We actually sat down together first and we were we were because we didn't even know that he was going to make it to our table because we were like at we were like at the kids' table at this point. And so <laughs> we were all excited about kind of meeting him, even though I have met him before, and I'll tell you guys more about that later. All the journalists were talking amongst ourselves about how awesome Samurai Jack is, about how the Clone Wars micro series was, about all these things. And um, we're going to take you to this interview already in progress right now. Aww. So Magic Interview all Machine... Right. Can I? You mind if I ask? Oh, it, well, uh, you can give it a try. Button. Magic Interview try. Machine, uh, take us to Time Warp Us to uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2016. Okay, so that's that. Oh, oh, I guess it didn't work. Uh, here, <laughs> l- let me give it a try. <laughs> Damn it. Magic interview machine, won't you please do Marky a favor and let us all listen to his conversation with Gendy Tartakovsky. Everybody, you know, all the press picked up on it. Everybody picked up on it, and uh, it was such a positive outcry that they always said, "Like, what? Wow, look at this!" They were all, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that it elicited a positive reaction. So yes. I would have, I would have thought they, they'd have seen the, the swell and interest in Samurai Jack with the comic books and everything, but. I guess if, if they're taken by surprise in a positive way, that's not, not bad at all. Yeah. I think for us, like, we know more of the inner workings of how things are, but sometimes, you know, above us, it's not as obvious. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, before you came on, we were discussing, I mean, the great things about the show. I mean, we love, I mean, personally from my end, I mean, love the story. Um, very well written. I like the style. The style is really so good. And then the music. All three of those elements came together into this crescendo of an amazing show. So when it went away, I mean, you know, we were heartbroken, <laughs> but we figured it'd come back sooner. Yeah. So. The fact it's coming back now, I'm just like, all right, well, better better late than never, right? That's right, yeah. And it's funny, you know, I think the main reason is for the last, you know, eight to ten years, we've been trying to develop a movie. You know, and then, you know, I went through with all these different producers from Brett Ratner to J.J. Abrams, you know, these big hitters, Sony, and we could never make it work. And I never wanted to lose what it was. That's the thing, you know. Like, it would be easy to make it something completely different, but I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be true, true to it, you know, because it really came from a really honest place inside of me, you know. And so after Hotel 2 Press, and, you know, the great thing is for the last, you know, 12 years, anywhere I speak, anywhere I lecture, anywhere I do press, the first question is always about Jack. You know, and I felt that it was more popular now than it actually was when it was first released. <laughs> you know? And that's an amazing thing. And then when I talked to Mike Lazo, who's you know, the head of Adult Swim, he goes, Gandhi, I feel the same way. You know, like people talk to him about it, and it's just something that survived all these years and grew from kid to parent. So it's time to do it. Now, um, and this might be a little long-winded, but 
the the show, even when I was watching it when I was younger, I always thought it was tipping a line of like a little bit too violent and graphic, like for Cartoon Network standards. Right. Um, and uh, did that have any effect in you know the show getting canceled? But did you want to like you know make it a little bit more violent or you know more intense? And is that why I got picked up with Adult Swim? No, I think those two completely aren't connected. I think uh, it didn't get canceled as much as we both. The network was doing a big change at the end when we were finished. Uh, Clone Wars came along, yeah. right? So I had to do that. And then after the network changed more, so it felt less and less like my home. You know, everything switched around. And then now coming back to it, it is for Adult Swim. It is a darker time for Jack. And to explore that, and look, we're not going to be like Ninja Scroll all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, like you guys, if everybody knows the references, right? It's super tasteful. For sure it's more violent, it's more intense, but it's tasteful. And it's actually one of the favorite, my favorite thing that we did, we actually have Jack react to it. So imagine years of killing robots and machines, and all of a sudden you kill your first human. And instead of just doing that and just moving on, he actually reflects on it. You know, I think that makes it acceptable to me and makes it more cool and emotional and interesting. Now, did you approach Adult Swim or did they approach you or how did it, how did it come to, to be? I sent an email to uh, Rob Sorcher at uh, Cartoon Network and he forwarded the email to Lazo and Lazo got on the phone with me the next day and within two weeks we were going. You know, because Mike and I go a long way. I pitched them the original series over dinner. I said, it's a robot in the future cutting up, I mean, it's a samurai in the future cutting up robots. He goes, that's great, let's make it. <laughs> uh, do you have a quick, uh, a quick um, what do you think about where the Clone Wars fits in the whole uh, aura of what is Star Wars now? <laughs> Put it that way. Like, you know, it, it, it does have a special place with, with, with us. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it fits, with, you know, for me, it's stuff that happened. You know, I mean, yeah. part of me is like, you know, the movies are the movies, and that's that, and then the other stuff is the other stuff. That's not how we but do this. It's, 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 it's pretty yeah. epic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, it was great fun making it. Uh, it was a great experience. We loved it. You know, it was funny because it was canon, mm -hmm. and it was part of the whole thing, and we even, you know, one of our writers, we made him a Jedi. You know, <laughs> Derek Bachman is Derek Bachman. And then they kind of erased everything, and I didn't know what happened, and then the new ones came, and I just kind of, you know, it's just whatever. It's, it's George's, back then, it was George's play, play box, so he could do sandbox, so he could do whatever he wants. Uh, but, you know, I still get a lot of respect for it, and people still really like it. It's still canon. It's still canon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Danny. Thank you. That commercial sounded like that, but if you watched it, it said, Jack is back, March 11th, 2017. We're so excited. This is, this is one of the inherent problems with Samurai Jack, which is a great cartoon, but it doesn't rely on like crazy sound effects nope. and, and dialogue for its story. It's like... Like a moving painting of yeah. feudal Japan or something, where it just so happens that it's the future and everything is red and black and there are robots. Yeah, well, but even beyond that, is there's is there is this style of animation mm -hmm. that I cannot describe. Yeah. I could, but we can't. I mean, we could barely touch on now. But there is this style, Gindi Tardakovsky 
has this style of animation that is amazing. It's very kind of blocky, right? It's very mm-hmm. like uh, it's clean lines. Clean lines, yeah. It's very like crisp, mm-hmm. and it it should be applied to everything. I would love to see Batman in this style. I'd love to see Superman in this style. It would be so awesome. Spider-Man in this style. Imagine Spider-Man in this style. It's just one of those car- uh, not cartoons. I shouldn't even say that, but it's one of those animated uh, uh, presentations that, like, when I was a kid and the first time I saw that Ralph Bashke, I think it was, Lord of the Rings, where it looked mm-hmm. like a drawing version of real actors. Yep. It somehow found this in the animation spectrum that I'd never seen anything I like it before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know why they don't do more stuff just like this. Like it came off the page a little bit? Yeah. yeah I know what you're saying. Like it was, yeah. it, you know, just close to like that uh, that uh, AHA video. Yep. You remember? Yep. Take on, on Me. me. Yeah. yeah. That, where it's Something like, like okay, it's, it is... It's coming off the page. ...cartoon, but it's not cartoon, yeah. or it's not a cartoon I've ever seen before. That, well, in this... Uh, but... Uh, Luckily, I live in this earth, and Gindy Tartakovsky, <laughs> he actually did Star Wars. Right. Not only did he do Star Wars, he did, in my not-so-humble opinion, the best Star Wars TV that has ever existed I mean, that's a little. I'm sorry, that's a little that's much. That's pushing little much. it a bit much. A much. Hey, the Christmas in the special? history of the world, <laughs> there has not been better Star Wars TV ever than the. There has not been anything better on TV. Period. The animated. Well, thanks, thanks for not going what? hyperbole with it. I didn't want to. But, I yeah, don't want to overstate. But you could even see, like, the, even the visuals of his hand hand drawn cells or whatever yeah. style the the micro series was. You can see it influenced the style choices in the uh, CG Clone Wars and uh, and and Star Wars Rebels the influences later on. Absolutely, you can, but you can see that some of their choices were like, well, this worked for him when he was brave enough to just be the first one to come out and say, like, this is what an animated Star Wars should look like. Well, Grim, earlier you said. Um, you heard about the micro series because it was a guy. It was the guy who did Samurai Jack. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. They're okay. They're doing a micro series of Clone Wars. I was still a little burnt on the prequels. Mark, I don't want to start with you no, right no, now, <laughs> Marky. I'm sorry. But when I heard the Samurai Jack guy was doing it, bring me in, and that gave me a new a new vision of the Clone Wars, and actually kind of. Lessened or 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 quickened my. Uh, that's what Phil Lamar was. You know, that's what Phil. Yeah, that's, that's, what, what, that's what he what said. said. He was yeah. like, yeah. Well, then I saw that. It brought it yeah, all back right. again. I, it, yeah, it who is. was that? What's that? Who's that? Who are you? What's yeah, that? Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. And like, it absolutely and the, did those that. Quick little episodes are enough to make you like you're entertained, but also they don't give you so much backstory. Or they don't give well, you enough backstory to the point where you're like, well, I'm going to have to look this up. i got to ask somebody. I, I want to know more than he's telling me. Yeah, it was um, – and again, remember we, we had – art happens in its limitations. And so I believe that in the first season of the Clone Wars micro series, there are two seasons. Mm-hmm. There, I believe every – Every episode was it three minutes or two minutes? Like yeah, two or three, three. minutes. Yeah, so I think they got had, longer. But you had fifteen episodes at two to three minutes each, and 
the amount of story, very little dialogue, but the amount of story that they pack in, it's amazing. Yep. It's um, and then, again, I have not seen this in 15 years or whatever, <laughs> but my memory of it is it shows the best of Yoda. Like he battles, he kicks ass, like on this kind of horse kind of thing. Oh. They show an amazing Mace Windu, oh. right? He whoops ass. They show Kit Fisto battling in the ocean, He's like in the swimming. water. Yeah, they show dope. what the force looks like in water. That, they that show what clear. a lightsaber does in water. And this was yeah. all coming out of Gendi Tartakovsky's exactly. head. Exactly. And, and and before we get further, Marquis, I know you mentioned that you had met him. I've never heard yeah, this story. Yeah, I actually I met him. Um, when do you think the Clone Wars macro series came out? It was probably '04. 2004, 2005, it was, maybe? It was probably before. It was it was after episode two, so it might have been 2002 or 2003, because it was, this was before episode three came out. Um, it was one of my first Comic-Cons ever, and, you know, I was just getting – it was uh, – I'm, I'm showing here it's 2003? 2003. Okay, so in, this was in 2003. This was the Comic-Con in 2003 in San Diego. And I was learning my way around Comic-Con then, and I, you know, I was going to panels and stuff, and I, you know, I knew very little about him then. Uh, I went to the panel, and it's funny because one of his inspirations for doing the Clone Wars micro-series is that he always wanted to know – this is from my memory – Gendy said that he always wanted to know what a lightsaber would – how it would be underwater. Mm. So that was like that was the reason for the Kit Fisto episode, right? So you know this is his play box now. Yeah, yeah. His, this is yeah. this is when when right. George Lucas said, "You want to play in my sandbox? Exactly. I'm going to let you." So this is what he wanted to see. So it's, this and was, that's a joke. Yeah. I mean, we should do a whole story about just him because that's got to be a dream come true thing. It, absolutely. And to be able to become an animator and then have your little pet project Samurai Jack turn out so good that it leads to doing canon Star Wars. That's not even true anymore, but uh, we're going to get to the canon issue. It was at the time. Okay, but, okay, so when I actually met him, like, in person was, this was, you know, one of the early Comic-Cons, relatively speaking, and um, he and his co-creator, and I I don't remember his name, and, you know, excuse me for that, but they were in 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 the Star Wars area, in the Lucas Pavilion, what is now known as the Lucas Pavilion. I don't yeah. think it was known as, as that now. But all of, like, uh, Master Replicas, now their EFX was there. Hasbro had their little booth there. Uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Kenny Baker was around the corner, uh, mm-hmm. you know, rest in mm-hmm. peace. Um, so, you the know, good old days, the, yeah. The good old days. So er- everybody was in this area. Now, they were at the booth, and they were signing... Clone Wars, you know, Clone Wars the Macro Series posters. And I went up to him, there, was, there wasn't a line or anything, and we just talked Star Wars for about five minutes. And they signed a poster for me, both of them. And it is still, to this day, one of my most prized Star Wars collectibles of all time. Because I have, I, I have not seen a, a better animated representation of Star Wars characters than the Gendi. Tartakovsky Star Wars version. It's the best. How, would, how much are they worth? I don't know. Come on. Worth. Come it's on. Priceless, you know. Priceless. You know. 
Right, it's about five fifty. <laughs> um, I'll have them in the back of my car next and, time I go um, over to his they house. Actually were, they actually, they actually made um, figures. Of course, everything gets made into a figure, but mm-hmm. um, they are they, they they turned out to be the most amazing cartoon, the most amazing uh, drawings of like Obi Wan and Anakin and all that stuff. They ended up being the most amazing figures. Because it really translated well into like the figures, mm-hmm. um, it was really amazing. And the actual stories that he actually did get to tell, he uh, uh, Clone Wars introduced the General Grievous character. They explain why he coughs and why he chokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they actually show you um, Anakin becoming a Jedi, like his actual initiation into being a Jedi. They show you his trial. Uh, to allow him to become a Jedi. Uh, they introduce Asajj Ventress, which would later be, you know, canonized into the Clone Wars animated series. Um, they they build on the Dooku character that was lacking from uh, Episode 2. Um, just, it goes on and on. They introduce Dirge, which is a really cool character. Um, that was the, yeah, it, yeah, so anyway, we're getting the picture. They, they get but, yeah. Now, this was the big conversation that we were having Along in this in this roundtable, and you heard me talk about this with Gindi uh, at the uh, uh, at the uh, roundtable, is that it is no sadly, the micro series is no longer considered canon. Mm, mm. But I don't know why. But some of the the I guess the seeds of that show yes. began the Clone Wars like. The guy that voiced Obi Wan Kenobi. Yep, Ty, uh, John, uh, John Taylor, uh, Alan Taylor. Uh, yeah, um, James. Right. Yeah, James Arnold James, Taylor. James Arnold Taylor. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Anthony Daniels was did, in yep. it. I mean, John Williams score. So the seeds were there. It may maybe brushed aside, but I almost regarded it. As you, and you and know. over time, they may start one by one piecemealing every element from that show. Like Marky said, to only so time will tell. But there is one thing I know for sure: Phil Lamar just so happened to do a voice in the Clone Wars. Yes, but that was in the animated series. True. And, yes. And, and is that did... considered canon? Yes. So Phil Lamar is canon mm-hmm. as playing Bail Organa. Bail Organa. Absolutely. Hey, what do you know? We're talking about Phil Lamar again just in time to say he's that one guy. That one and guy. That you, one and guy. I am sorry. I almost feel like we do you a disservice, listeners, because we do not have time, and I'm sure you don't have patience for us to list everything he's been in. <laughs> but if nothing else, consider two. this like a IRL link to go check out all his body of work. You'll be amazed how many of the characters you know and love helped you grow up are actually his creations. Uh, and actually, we're gonna we're gonna collect a few of his greatest hits. Um, we've been in our research, whatever you want to call it, uh, in preparing for this show. We found a lot of gems. Uh, some great clips that other producers have created for YouTube and things like that. So we're going to collect that all and kind of throw it onto our website. So check out MattyPRadio.com. Don't forget to check out Samurai Jack, March 11th. Uh, it's 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 reborn. And this is announced as its final season again, I guess. Yeah. He, um, and, and this leaves open the possibility he'll find closure in the yeah. grand premise, too. He might be able to go back to the past, mm-hmm. as we mentioned. Well... He didn't want to give us any spoilers, so and that's fine. Lamar, and we don't want you're either. off yeah. the hook. But I'm going to go ahead and tell the listeners everything's going to be okay. And Phil Lamar, <laughs> you know, 
He also did a guest spot on Jake and the Fat Man. So here's hoping Jake and the Fat Man comes back. That's here's right. Hoping. Phil Lamar has been involved with a lot of properties that have been Cross resurrected fingers, from the true dead. Believers. Jake and the Fat Man! <laughs> Can you imagine if Jake and the Fat Man came back? Oh, I don't think the PC police would allow it. I don't think my pants just got tighter for no reason. I think it would just be Jake and the Kevin's James. And that it, it is about be. as good a time to uh, to say, I, I think we covered everything. I think we got I it. I feel we're good about this. And I wish we could do a better service to Phil Lamar. But until he just, I don't know, has the same voice all the time, it's going to be hard to spot him. Yeah. But trust me, he's out there. You're hearing him. More likely than you're hearing us. Anyway, that's enough of this. That's enough of this. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. Oh, this is enough of this.